0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hi there, I'm Brian Abena, and you're listening to the Moreover Podcast. Cot- 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 Cot-
2: Hello, good evening, and welcome to this week's Moreover Podcast. The Only Rugby Podcast gives you all the news, the views, and opinion on the weekend's rugby action, all with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter; we are at Moreover Podcast. Moreover Rugby Podcast on Facebook. And you can find all of our content as well as uh, none of other stuff on, no, uh, I nearly said ruck.co.uk then, that's been a while, hasn't it? Been a while. It's been a while since we appeared on there. Um, yeah, we're on Anchor and we're on uh, Apple Podcasts and the Google Store and all that sort of stuff. Um, been quite good at the intro recently and balls that one right up, disappointed in myself. Um, you've already heard uh, the world famous Chinese lensman. Welcome, Doug. Now then. And the nice corner shrubby podcast in. Ben you Hi, Ben. Hi. Russ. You well? Hi, you both
1: well? Uh, well I've just been beaten up by an osteopath, so I'm I've I mean I've been better. Osteopath? That's what you know, that's not just ba- back
2: is a chiropractor, isn't it? Got a fat What's, back. Uh, what... <laughs> you got a fat back. What, um, what does an osteopath do, Doug?
1: What I do think I've done? got sciatica at the moment or some such disease, so I'm trying to get it rectified, and he's doing it by inflicting physical harm upon my body. I mean, have you tried
2: going on a rack?
1: No, because I don't live in the 1400s and I'm not being tortured.
2: Yeah, but it might stretch you out a little bit, make you a little bit taller.
1: That's like saying, "Have you ever tried using a steak tenderizer to stop being so fucking fat?" <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure how that would work, but you well, know, it's quite simple. Us, you get you and a steak tenderizer, and you twat your belly until you're not fat anymore. Like knocking in a cricket bat. <laughs> Surely, it would be the reverse
2: of knocking in a cricket bat. Because you're, you're trying to make it hard rather than soften it down. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's taken a dark turn already, isn't it? Let's, yeah, let's, let's not go let's there. Go. Um, right. Uh, another spectacular week for premiership rugby. Um, but I reckon we should sort of change tack a little bit. And uh, should we start the championship? <laughs>
1: I don't know if any of you would have picked this up. Um, but during the Quinn's Saints game, the first penalty that Northampton gave away was Nick Azique. And Joe Mahler, I quite clearly heard shout to him, You've got the Pirates on the brain, Nick. He <laughs> got the
2: Pirates on the brain. I mean, Joe Mahler, uh, you know, our, our thoughts on Joe Marler are, are pretty well documented.
1: But, but he know. took shithousery to the next level during that game. I've never seen anything like it. Do we
2: need to wait or do we go... I mean, we I we're going no, talk about he, the
1: Pirates. But... The amount of times that he was... He tried to undo some... This Just things I noticed from my camera. He tried to undo someone's shoelaces while he was pinned in a ruck. He stroked Nick Autorak's hair while he was in a ruck. Like, tenderly stroked his hair. He chirped the whole game. I mean... You'd just want to paste him if you're on the pitch with him.
2: and were you know, brave enough. It's, yeah. it's, not, it's not something I would uh I would advise. But, you know, it's just he's just a bit of an arse, isn't he, in general. I
1: think it's, that's a fair summation. It's yeah. it's
2: okay, it's okay though, because he's uh Joe Marla, a
1: banter banter, yeah. great, great. And he's lads. banter it's, it's, banter banter man. The the
2: driver of the banter bus.
1: Yeah.
2: Okay. Conductful.
1: but... The, the
2: driver, the conductor. Um, anyway, what I was going to say is I wanted to congratulate um, the Cornish Pirates on what is a, an incredible victory over um, a team called Saracens. Uh, I don't know if any of you know much about them. Um, they were recently established on side that do have, you know, players from all over the world uh, that were, by all accounts, absolutely humbled at the Mene field, a place that Ben and I know very well. We've both graced that hollow turf in many a second-team game uh, over the years. And it's not an easy place to play, Ben, is it? Like, no matter who you're playing against. Well... I don't know how they managed
0: to get there on a day when it wasn't raining because I've never managed it yet. Yeah,
2: <laughs> Agree. agree.
0: Um, but yeah, it's, it's not what they're used to, is it? I mean, someone said they've probably blown the roof off the stand, but I imagine that's probably been done a few times over the winter anyway. Um, but yeah, it's... Um, well, there's nothing between penzance in America, but a lot of ocean is there, so um, you do get the weather there. Yeah, and it's a it's quite a damp old pitch, isn't it? it
2: is, well, it's just it's just a horrible horrible place to play. Rugby. I wonder if they played on the second team pitch with all the bricks in it. Oh, the one the one at the back. Yeah, I mean that that is a that is a hidden gem. I'd love it if they'd done that to Saracens. It's like, come on, boys!
0: First team pitch. They're still playing cricket on the first team pitch. Let's go out the second team pitch. <laughs> Amazing.
2: Probably not um, playing a lot of
0: cricket in February, to be fair. But no.
2: But the uh, the result is, is obviously shocked everyone. Saracens turned up with no fewer than I think it was six or seven international players, and basically got scrum and uh, set paced off the park. And you know, I think Saracens are going to learn very very quickly and Doug, I think you alluded to on Twitter that every single game for Saracen's opponents is a cup final and they are going to have to that. The team that that Saracen's put out on, uh, on Saturday beat premiership teams last season. Yep. In the absence of, you know, your Atojis and your, and your Farrells and your dailies and whoever else, you know, uh, Sashino, Maitland, Vunipola, Cock, Swinson, Rhodes, Jackson, Ray, Lewington, Duncan Taylor. You know, that's a decent, that's a solid Premiership side, isn't it? That'll probably go out and beat Worcester at the weekend.
1: Absolutely, but, but I, in... d- I just think there's there's a a difference between and and people are saying that Newcastle last year, their first match of the season was, you know, a bit of a struggle and they they didn't really get going and they underestimated the opposition. But I just, I think that there really is another sort of 20% that these champo lads are going to put in because it is Saracens and it's different than playing Newcastle. You know, a lot of those players that play for Newcastle probably played in other championship squads. Vincent cock won the world World cup Cup last year. Yeah. You know, there's a, a marked difference between, The usual premiership delegation fodder. Sorry? He got pushed all over the field. Yeah. Well, look, I, I, I... And they're better players, so they should adapt and they should be able to, you know, change the way they play to play against championship opposition. But I just think the intensity that the championship teams will bring to those Saracens games will be another level to what they've ever done before. And... Pirates may legitimately be very good. I would imagine that Saracen's games are going to be against Pirates, Jersey, Ealing, and maybe Coventry. They might get a game against Coventry um the rest I think they'll breeze through, but four or five games definitely they're going to be in in with the shout and wouldn't it be brilliant like if everyone just got together and just let Ealing win every game by bonus point? <laughs> you know yeah. and i'm just looking at though ultimately though Russ it's set up so Saracens get promoted because it doesn't matter what happens during the season there's a playoff
2: yeah uh, absolutely absolutely but sure isn't it just they've got to get into that top 2 playoff 1st have aren't they i mean again
1: uh, how lovely oh, I mean, it would be for them not to make the top 2 right it would yeah. be a miracle uh,
2: absolutely absolutely it would but you know they've already been a long game they've got ten they' they're, they're fixtures. they've only got ten they've only got ten more or ten games over the season haven't they It's a curtailed season they're not playing everybody twice it's mm-hmm. not a it's not like a, oh yeah well, we'll have that we'll have that go again they've got Jersey then Richmond Bedford Doncaster Ealing, Nottingham Amptill, Coventry Hartbury. now. I mean, chances are that they they win all of those handsomely and and potentially get a game against Ealing. But, you know, if it does come down to it, they're going to need all of their superstars back if they do make that playoff. And it's not like they've got 20 games to just get into their stride and
1: blow them away. Realistically, you'd think because the other teams are going to beat each other, you would suggest that they would need to lose another two games to to not struggle make it. to make the playoff yeah potentially
2: but how nice would it be if if a couple of teams went you know oh what? mate
1: i'd piss my pants if they if they just just the how premiership rugby would go about convoluting away to get them back you know, so whoever wins that playoff, if Saracens weren't in it, there there would be something along the lines of, well, your ground's not good enough, you can't come up. And because you didn't declare that you were ground sharing with someone, you know, and the only team can fulfill that space is, and so they're coming up. With it yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, or we just make it 14 teams and Ealing can come in as well and we'll just, yeah. just open it all up.
1: Or um, the thing... Pirates. And well... God,
2: I'd love it if the Pirates came up. So it it won't be next season because they probably they won't have anywhere to play unless they unless they find a, something in the I short share term
1: with Argyle or something. Uh,
2: they maybe. that is that is potentially and if they could do that for a season because I have read in the press. Locally, Are there no
1: Cornish like no semi pro football team Truro City
2: and they haven't even got anywhere to play. Right. Um, but I have read in the press that the um, that the family who own. Cornish Pirates. Dicky Dickie Evans, Ben. Yeah. Dickie Evans. Yeah. I've read somewhere that they, they're getting fed up of this whole stadium for Cornwall bullshit that's has on for God knows how long. And they're looking very, much, very seriously into the Edinburgh rugby model where they built that stadium for about 5.7 million. Mm. And it's basically just scaffold. Yeah. But it, it potentially could get them into interline to be premiership worthy. And, and if that's the case, then, you know, fair play to them, but we'll have to wait and see who knows, who knows what's going to happen about that, but an amazing start to the championship season, a huge congratulations to uh, Gavin cattle and, and Alan Paver. I don't know if I ever told the story when I lived, did I ever tell the story when I lived with the few of the pirates lads for a couple of months? Never have I felt more inadequate in my entire life. I was going to say, I bet you <laughs> made a lot of tea, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, it was it there. So back into what was it, two thousand and seven? In when I left the RAF and before we like before I found somewhere to live, um, I got I, I moved in with them because at the time my missus's best friend was going out with with, with women, and I live with get with cats. Uh, Crackers. That's how I kind of met Chris Cracknell. uh, Tim Cowley, um, amongst others. And uh, that was when the Pirates won. Chris Cracknell
1: still with San Diego? No,
2: no. He uh, owns and runs a a coffee shop now and does some consultancy stuff. According to LinkedIn. But yeah, he doesn't, doesn't do any San Diego stuff. Um, And uh, Henley. I want to say Henley. But yeah. So, and but that was, that was fun. You know, we went to, we, we watched them in the, um like the EDF cup, like the, it was the championship cup at the time. And they, they ironically beat the Exeter Chiefs in the final of that, of that competition at Twickenham ahead of what was the final of the Anglo Welsh cup. I think Leicester played the Ospreys in the final uh, following that. And the pirates won. And we, we just went out on a massive, massive bender for about three days. It was amazing. <laughs> and uh yeah it was just great great fun great days and uh i'm, I'm delighted for cats because he's 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 a good bloke um so yeah let's let's move on from the pirates and their, and their fantastic victory over saracens and get um, back into the premiership
0: we were asked to give uh tenuous links to uh any of the squad and i'm just having a look and i can't think of any really Quite it's because
2: they're all. It's because they're all so like young now. Is yeah. it that was a tenuous link to the coaching staff, I suppose. Yeah, but um, I was just having a look at the squad just to see
0: if uh, if there was anyone I know. But but what is quite nice about the sort of squad is they look like any first team that could rock up at any level. There's like the number eight with the big beard. Yeah, and the like young lad with the sort of curly mop. They just just look like sort of any first team that could walk into <laughs> any clubhouse. Whereas premiership teams don't tend to look like that, do they? They're um, they, they all quite similar looking. A um, couple of uh, what you would call uh, traditional props, I'd say. <laughs> what, round with beards? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Beards very much an option. Um, there's, uh, he, the official photographer looks like he might be 409 years old.
2: So, um, yeah, good... Uh, Good win for old school rugby, I reckon. Yeah, the other one that that was on the commentary on 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 Saturday, um, a guy called Roderick Mcatee, who I played against a couple of times when he was at Pirates. He, in the end of his career, he played for Pirates Amateurs, and at my um, my last comeback, I think it was probably my third or fourth comeback, I played a game at fullback for Hornets, and he was he was a winger. I played for Wales Sevens, was a World Cup. Sevens winner Roderick McAtee with Wales, and uh, he, he came down the wing. I was playing fullback, and I just thought, well, well, use a touchline, you know, between you and the touchline, it's a long way round. you know, it'll be fine. It was
1: and, a long way around you then, I know?
2: yeah. Well, no, this was this was more Re- recently record yeah. scratch, yeah, <laughs> it was not fine.
1: yeah that's
0: right
2: it (laughs) absolutely was not fine (laughs) at this point uh, Russ knew
1: he'd fucked up
0: (laughs) yeah
2: and it was the it was the point where you know when you kind of slow you slow your run down because you're trying to use the touchline you're trying to arrive at a similar time to use the touchline and all he did was as I slowed down he slowed down as, as he sped up I couldn't speed up I didn't have the ability to speed up <laughs> and it just ran straight past me down the wing. And it was like, Oh, you know, when you do like a real vain attempt at a tap tackle, as, as someone's ran past you just to make it look like you've done something. It's just and, so you uh, don't have to chase them in it. Yeah. Fucking hell. <laughs> I was, a, it, it was at that exact moment. That I realized what are you doing here, mate? You are an absolute <laughs> fat mess. You're a joke. Um, Right. Anyway, enough about me. As much as I enjoy talking about me, let's talk about. Uh, let's go to Sale on Friday night. Doug, you were working at Sale on Friday night uh, for Sale against Newcastle. Um, talking of uh, Cornish Links, another of the Matavesi brothers coming off the bench
1: and scoring a try in tr- his I, debut. I've been trying to work out which one that was. Joel. That is Joel, Joel
2: Matavesi. Was he off the bench? or did I think he came off the bench. I think he is-
1: came off the bench, yeah. Because Josh played there as well, didn't he? Josh played. it. They were together at Newcastle for a little while. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. it was weird. Because jo- I thought it was Josh that had scored. And then when I got to Wasps the following day and they were playing whoever they were playing. Who were they playing?
2: Joster.
1: Sorry, when I, it was...
2: Exit at a bath. I
1: was, so while the Wasps game was on, on my iPad just down to the left of me, I had the bath game on. So when you know there was injuries or whatever, I could just glance down and see what was happening. And then Matave- Matavesi, I think, did something in that game, and I was nice, like, no, lovely. That it so he signed and playing one, yeah. again today. How does that work? I, mean, yeah, I remembered. Yeah, there's yeah. loads of them. Wasn't as good what, a story as I thought it was.
2: There's three. There's three of them. Um, yeah. Joel. I think Sam's Joel's playing taking... for Saints.
1: Yes.
2: Yeah. Sam's a hooker in the Navy uh josh is josh is probably the most well known of of the three he's been around you know he's he's been he's had a lot of clubs josh. how Fijian and how Cornish are they well their dad sorelli is Fijian and they were born and raised in Camborne. camborn yeah
1: so the, so you know they're they're to all intents and purposes english
2: uh well yeah I think so yeah I believe I believe they uh, were with born Fijian born.
1: passports or whatever yeah, yeah. well their dad yeah, was so, they, so what I'm saying is they could have played for England
2: yeah I don't I, I assume that was an option at some point but like Josh has played for he played for um Racing didn't he and he's played for
0: played in Wales uh, for a long time played in he? Wales
2: at the Ospreys he played for Newcastle for Bath. He was at Exeter for a while. New Get them starting on fees, mate. <laughs> mate, he, he's had a he's had a stellar career. He's done very very well for himself, and he's a good player. Paid I think in the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, he we we're slightly slightly off track, but he's he he's proper old school sort of twelve, but with incredible ball skills as well and
1: it's just the, i think he's a, basically a big 10 isn't he he's a, big,
2: he's a big he is a big 10 and and if there's one subject i know quite a bit about it's being a big 10 <laughs> <laughs> yep anyway let's go back to uh, to sale um they they beat newcastle doug anything anything stand out for you on friday night up in up in manchester
1: i don't think sale are very good I think that that they, I mean, when I say I don't think they're very good, I think they're good enough to compete at the top half of the Premiership because they've got huge, massive, blunt weapons. But I don't think they're good enough to beat Bristol or Gloucester. Uh, Bristol, they're certainly good enough to beat Gloucester. I don't think they're good enough to beat Exeter or um, Bristol when it comes to. The crunch games, really.
2: They beat X last week, didn't they?
1: I'm talking about crunch games, just, less, like playoff just games be, or... Be yeah, you've been a dick. Um, obviously, they've got players out. I think if they had Manu and Van Rensburg in the centres, they'd be a, a much better team. I don't buy the AJ McGinty hype. I think he's... um pretty average to be honest i mean that thing the 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 offload he did on the touchline for the try was incredible i don't know if you saw that yeah um and yeah yeah that was incredible but i he doesn't inspire me he he's a bit of a northampton fly half for me you know dan big is a bit too good for us if they swapped then that would make more sense um their forwards are okay they're all massive. John O'Ross is decent, um, but they beat a team that never got off the bus really, and that hadn't played for three weeks, so were probably a bit yeah. undercooked.
2: Yeah, and they made. I mean, that
1: really hard work of it. It felt like they were running in treacle at times. It was. I just I, a real I don't, don't think they're me? very good. I honestly don't think they're very good. Fair enough. I think I mean, they're one one dimensional. Um. Do you think Alex Sanderson's having much of
2: an impact up there?
1: Or was he just well, continuing? Look, they what's they the had a couple of stuff? defensive sets that were incredible. But again, Newcastle were very much undercooked. They had a couple of defensive sets where they drove from a ten, drove Newcastle backwards from sales 10-metre 10, 10 line to well inside Newcastle's half. Just with lines, that similar sort of defensive structure that Saracens would run with the sort of out-to-in blitz. Yeah. So once you get to centre, there's nowhere for the centre to go. So there's quite a lot of times where the centre would receive the ball, much like Northampton did on Saturday once Harlequins had adjusted. Sort of the centre would get the ball or second receiver would get the ball, look to make the next pass, but couldn't because the fan had sort of Shut it off, so we'd have to turn back inside, so that's I think one clear impact that he's having um, i I've chosen not to engage in his pre and post match interviews because they just annoy me too much, probably for the best yeah um they I mean they may well finish top four the now Saracen's clear. Salary cap breaches have been exposed. The the league is so even now. There isn't a team so far away ahead of everyone else. And that's why you're seeing these, you know, Wasps losing four in a row, Saints winning four in a row, Bath losing losing and looking terrible, then smashing three games in a row, Chiefs losing. The parrot is there. So you're going to have week to week, you're going to have swings of teams looking good and teams looking not good. Newcastle didn't look good this week. Haven't played for three weeks. Sale looked okay. They've been on a run of good results. I don't think they'll win the league.
2: It's, it's you've, you've touched on something there around the the evenness of of the league as it stands at the moment, and and even like even last season, whilst Saracens were were going through the motions, Exeter were formidable, and you, you wonder how much of last season took out of Exeter with, with what's going through this season. And, uh, you know, it's almost to the point was actually, you know, how much do we it's probably the wrong thing to say, how much do we need to, to put into this season just to make the top four? Cause ultimately you just need to make the top four. And yeah, I don't think I mean, there's any doubt. Exeter, Exeter will. And, you know, Bristol will be there. And then there'll be a, a battle, bit of a battle royale for, for the last two places. But you know, looking at these looking at the results for Exeter, like you say, Bath have, have lost a lot and then and then one three on the bounce. Wasps are in and out. Leicester, one week looked like well be Leicester a lesser on literally since the turn of the year, they've gone one loss, one loss, one loss, one. So like they're a week on, week off. You know, then you've got Gloucester and, and Worcester. I said Worcester were looking all right, but they've lost like 10 in a row nearly. And it's, it's all very much anyone can and will beat anyone. And you, and you literally, you wouldn't like to put on um, any Ackers on the premiership at the moment, would you? Because you, 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 the likelihood is you would lose every single time.
1: Absolutely. Um, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, go on. No, no. uh, I mean, you you basically said what I think. It's um, Parity is what parity is. You know, this is what the league's going to be like for the foreseeable future because no team is gaming the system at the moment.
2: (laughs) But then that's surely, I mean, for me, I'd rather it be like that. I'd rather watch rugby not knowing who's going to win than have the same old, you know, oh, it's, it's Exeter, this it's Saracen's that. You it's, know, it's why the NFL works.
1: It's why the NFL works because you've got 32 teams that all buy into a salary cap. There's a minimum spend and a maximum spend. So you're only ever going to be so shit and you're only ever going to be so good. And what that means is you go into every single year as a fan of any one of the 32 teams, you've got just as much chance of winning as everyone else. There's a few factors that go into it and I think that's where we're getting to with the premiership. with a few outliers such as Worcester who can't probably can't spend as much but seem like they're up in what they are spending and and Bristol who seem you know bordering on we'll see what they do in the summer but they, they seem to find these players like where's Noel Ango come from Noel
2: Argo he's, in the, he's yeah. an army army bod yeah he? I, didn't I mean
1: why are the army not in the premiership
2: <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> it's a good question I mean imagine a imagine a combined services like a regular combined services team
1: how oh, good the
2: combined people. services used to be yeah amazing unbelievable really um, you, t- you touched on Worcester there briefly I think Like they're they're making some sign-ins and they're, they're showing some intent, hopefully, for next season. And I can't remember whether we talked about this last week or not. But do you think the threat of no relegation is going to financially help these clubs? So, for instance, let's look at, like, as we stand today, Gloucester, Worcester, Bath of the the bottom three Worcester can now legitimately go out and spend money and go you know what well we're going to go and recruit properly for x y and z because there's no threat of relegation therefore we 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 can say we're definitely going to be in the premiership there's no threat of people coming All oh, I don't really want to come because you might be in the championship next season and do you think that that will make a, a more even playing field when it comes to recruitment for
1: for clubs like Worcester? Uh, I mean maybe maybe I don't like it as an argument to stop relegation. No, no, no. I'm not using it as
2: that. I'm so, but what I'm saying is for this season especially as far as strengthening your squads go, you know, surely it would make sense to approach it in that way and, and look for for more marquee recruitment in a in a year where there's definitely no relegation? Uh
1: potentially. Potentially. I mean they've signed Scott Baldwin if you can call that marquee. Well, yeah. But I was
2: Ashton as well. They would yeah. have spent a fair amount of money on Chris Ashton. I mean, for me, Chris Ashton is it's done. You only got to see the impact he had at Harlequins and the impact he had at Sale to realize that since he's come back from Toulon is, he's, he's been pretty average. Let's be honest, but he's going to come He's He's going to take up a bit of salary cap. That's for certain. Um, yeah. Ben, Ben, have you got any thoughts on? Um, not, re-
0: not really. I, OK, mate, I we'll just move on. I don't there. really know the answer, so...
1: Thanks <laughs> for coming, Ben.
2: <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> no, no, fair. that's fair enough. I mean, there isn't an answer, is there? It's just It was just a, an observation that, you know, if Worcester want to, to be serious about staying in the league next season, Saracens are obviously going to be back. Um, I
0: suppose you can't really just go up to a player and, and sort of say, Comes to us this year. We're definitely not going to get
2: relegated this time. It's well, still not a, but, not a great look, is it? But, but I think you can, because how then do you attract, how then do you attract the better calibre of player yeah. when you like are saying, well, we, on the threat of relegation?
0: Crack, but there's less risk of this time. It's Probably not the message you want to be given
2: to a new signing, I would imagine. Oh, give it, give uh, us a season. Give, it, give us five good games. Put yourself in a shot window. <laughs> Come to us. You definitely won't get relegated
0: and you might end up playing for Saracens. I
2: mean, it's worse. Worse um, recruitment policies. Uh, right. I didn't watch any of uh, Leicester versus London Irish on, on Friday. I know there were some cards. Uh, Heptima got redded, I think, of all of the the ones that I've seen for these high tackles and, and headshots. That was probably one of the the most obvious ones. I don't know if either of you two have seen it.
1: Uh, it was very, but I have not seen it, but I have heard that it was pretty grim.
2: Yeah. I mean, grim is probably a bit much, you know, uh, Austin Healy, obviously it was against Leicester. So he had a massive hard on over it. And, you know, it, it was, it was a high tackle where he stood up and, Put his shoulder into his face. So, at at pace. So, you know, five years ago, you know, it, it's it's a difficult one, but it was definitely a red card. I just, you know, it was it was more obvious than than the, the load of the other ones. um And then London Irish managed to get themselves back into the game or back in for a losing bonus point. Um after Van Poorfleet gave away a penalty try and then a yellow card. And then uh, Joe Hayes got yellow card in the 80th minute for a high tackle that was borderline. Um, but it did allow London Irish to back in to get a uh, get a losing bonus point. Uh, on Saturday, right, Saturday, Bath versus Exeter. Ben, uh, for 20 minutes, Bath carried on their, their good form of the, the three previous weeks. Um. And then kind of fell apart at the seams a little bit. I mean. Yeah, a little bit.
0: Um, Yeah, they played. Well, they played really well for the first 20 minutes. And then they probably played pretty well for the next 40 minutes and then really fell apart in the last sort of 20. Um, It did kind of coincide with Underhill going off. And as soon as he went off, they started to get a bit out muscled. I'm not saying that was the only reason for it, but. He does make a difference. Yeah. Um, I mean, Miles Reed came on; he's been playing really well. And you know, it's no slight on him to say he's not quite Sam Underhill yet, um, but he but... is
2: arguably one of the one of the ugliest rugby players. Somebody put a um, a comparison of him and who was it? Was it a radio DJ or something in the in the Over Invitational Twitter group? Somebody. Gemma Kearney. Was it Gemma Kearney? The Radio One pre- presenter. I don't I know, mean, but you know I, I, don't, know. I don't Radio know One. It. I stopped listening to Radio One yeah. about ten years ago. So um,
0: but yeah, I mean he can't help that. Um, but he's a good rugby player.
2: But yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But you know, Bath they were able to stretch extra a lot. They um Ben, I think I think I think Mabel has found her way into your kitchen, and not she, with a cowbell on? It's it's um, <laughs> It's Duke. He's got a metal tag. And uh,
0: when he has a drink on his bowl, it, uh, it does create a racket.
2: I genuinely thought a cow had made its way into your it kitchen.
0: It does sound a bit like a cowbell. Yeah, there was a cowbell. Um, so, so, yeah, the, the Bath were finding a way to get around the sort of Exeter defence. They were sort of bypassing the 13 channel, long passes. And that worked for about 20 minutes until Exeter sort of really started rushing in to where the the passes were coming from and then passes started to go to ground and got thrown behind people so again it was sort of Baxter kind of thinking on these uh, on his feet uh, that kind of turned the game around um
2: they had uh the two are they both South Africans
0: who no, Exeter
2: right? yeah Baxter. oh Kirsten and um yeah Vermeulen started didn't he yeah. And then Kirsten came off the bench. Giannis, I mean, yeah, I think he's been injured for, for a fair few weeks, Janice Kirsten, but yeah. his physicality when he came on, that seemed to coincide with a Underhill going off, yeah. um, but also Exeter really putting their foot down and he, he and Vermulen, along with, with Dave Ewers and Sam Skinner literally grabbed the game by the, by the yeah. scruff of the neck. And I, I thought Devoto had a good game as well. Um, he's a extra. good player, mate. I think I think yeah. he's pretty underrated. And as far as twelves go, you know, when speaking from a slight position of bias, but when you've got Owen Farrell playing the way that Owen Farrell is playing, uh, Oli Devoto is very much uh, the hybrid straight running twelve. Can do a bit of a, a hard running job if you need him to, but he's also got that distribution piece as well. Yeah, um, he, can, he can run hard and straight. But like you say,
0: he's got a boot and he's also got you know, good hands. So Eddie's used him very briefly and then not gone back to him. Um, but yeah, I think he'd definitely be worth a shot. I, I mean, I, I, the, the person I really want to talk about is Tom de Glanville, though. I thought he was fantastic. Um, in the air, like he comes for everything like, and he, he was going through people, um, you know, some of them he didn't have much chance of getting to, but he was still just trying to catch everything and, and everything he got to, he caught and he's, he's quite an elusive runner. He's not very big, but he's quite elusive. He's quite hard to put down. And I've, I was really impressed by him. He's been good every time I've seen him, but you know, it was, you know, there was no Watson. So he was, you know, put almost sort of center stage there in the back three and, and, no, that, even through to
2: the end, he was still playing really well. That's what you want from your fullback, isn't it? It's almost like the commanding presence. If you are going to if you are if you are going to, if you are going to be near it, come and get it, own it, and deal with it. I think a, a lot of the time when you see people fullbacks that aren't playing well or aren't confident, that's when they kind of wait for the, they wait for that ball, yeah. they wait for it to drop, and they wait for it to to come to them rather than go into to own the situation almost, aren't you? Mike, I mean, Mike Brown used to be very, very good at that. It was, you know, it was his ball and, and he was coming to get it. And, you know, I saw, you know, a little bit of that in Tom de Glanville on, on Saturday.
0: Yeah, he was, he was excellent. But, you know, it was a little bit like the semi-final last year where Bath kind of held it together for 50 minutes to an hour and then were just sort of grounded to the turf, basically. Um and Exeter sort of made hay in the last 10, 15 yeah. minutes. Um, but it was, it, you know, for an hour, it was, a, it was a good contest that was quite enjoyable to watch. And there wasn't a lot of penalties either. Um, no. You know, uh, it was so, uh, Tom Dunn played really well, and so did um, Inard. Uh, for, Been for, impressed with for, Inard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was I'm... one of the games I've enjoyed more this season, I think.
2: Yeah. I've been impressed with Will Muir, the sevens guy. He looks, he's, he's just quite ungainly, isn't he? Yeah. As someone a, said he runner. looked like he
0: was, um, someone said on Twitter, he looked like he was coming in from the sight screen.
2: <laughs> off of the long run. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's just all let he's all legs, isn't he? Yeah. Like just rangy. Like he's galloping. Yeah, I mean,
0: he's a, he's a sevens player, isn't he? Uh, like McConaughey. Um, so th- they've both got a couple of rough edges, I think, but you know, they do make things happen. I mean, McConaughey
2: went to a World Cup. I mean, let's, let's not forget that. It's, um, I still find it n- no slight on McConaughey because I think he's excellent. I just think that the fact that he went to a World Cup and has never been seen anywhere near an England shirt since is mm. fucking unfathomable. <laughs> he's not one of um, the chosen ones,
1: is he? No, he's obviously Drop, not noshing with, off Eddie Jones. I mean, Lewis Ludlam. Yeah. I mean, brilliant. And so he went I off mean, at the weekends and I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to take this down
2: an Eddie Jones, Eddie Jones route, but fucking hell, you know, just it's, it's baffling isn't it. Baffling played. I think he yeah, had, we played one game in that world cup against the USA maybe. Yeah. Or did he play against Tonga and either way. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, but for back, it's not all doom and gloom for Bath, is it? I think they, you know, they start getting people back. The likes of of um, Joe, Jonathan Joseph, uh, that Schumann, Tian Schumann looks like a good, a good acquisition and links up well with with Rhys Priestland as well. And uh, I if, think
0: if you could, if you can get through a six week stretch where you can play Mercer, Falatau, and Underhill, then you're in with a chance and um, you know they were trying to use Falatau wide which was they were using long passes to him a lot and it, they were getting a lot of success out of it to X to cut that off um and you know not every team is going to be as well coached and as quick off the mark to, to stop tactics like that um yeah I thought I thought actually the first half and maybe a little bit of the second half, that they'd probably be quite pleased with
2: it. Yeah. Ideal. Uh, Doug, you were actually at uh, the Rico for Wasps against Costa. A bit of a more contentious red card in this game. Um, I've seen lots. I've I've seen it quite a few times. Um, I've seen lots of stuff said about it. Um, but the general consensus is that everybody, literally everybody other than Matt Carley and the touch judge who stood next to him thought
1: it uh, wasn't the, touch the red judge card. The touch interested either, to be honest. Oh. I don't think they want it to be seen to be overruling him, especially on something as prickly as head, head clashes because I think there's this conce- conceited... Uh, Concerted effort to present a unified front across all platforms. So, if you're the assistant referee, you don't want to be the person that's saying no, and that's sending off because there's a head clash involved. The truth of the matter is, the only person that wanted that sending off to happen was Matt Carley, and he went looking for it, and it was done entirely outcome based had Ollie Thorley not have had to go off for a split head that would have been carry on why wasn't if Ollie Thorley was sent off for a head to head clash with a player why wasn't the wasps winger taken off for an hia good question same so the, the, to, to bring it to a wider point Nick Azikwe got taken off for an HIA and Lewis Ludlam got taken off for an HIA at Harlequin. So our best two players, essentially. Northampton's best two players. Nick Ezequay's was a forearm to the face. But because he was on the blind side of the referee and shielded from the touch judge, it wasn't looked at. If we're going to say that this is a to protect players and to be a a sort of player welfare-based situation, then should anyone go off for an HIA, then the reason they've gone off for an HIA should be investigated. Otherwise, it's all puff. Yeah. And if somebody's sent off for hitting somebody in the head, the person they hit should go off as well. Yeah for HIA. Yeah.
2: yeah if it, if it's if it's if you're sending the player in the framework force to
1: the, head. the head to protect yeah. the player that's been hit in the head then make sure he's not suffering the causes from that hit to the head yeah it, well you, it makes you no think sense it would be
2: me. automatic you think it would be yeah. automatic and would stand to reason
1: wouldn't you uh, we we so we're sending off Ollie Thorley but the player he's supposedly just caused physical harm to It's just yeah you're fine mate don't worry you're not bleeding you don't have to go off who
2: was it Josh Bassett
1: I think so yeah I mean the, the Nick Izquier one face? was terrible I remember I saw it I on my camera I saw Izquier get a forearm to the face and thought oh, that doesn't look but nobody saw no like unless the TMO is looking directly at my camera when that happens, I'm pretty sure I'd be the only camera that would have seen it. I'm pretty sure I was the only, none of the officials could have seen it based on their sight lines. So what are we doing here? You know, is it only, uh, is it outcome-based, in which case it's nonsense? Is it only taken into account when it's clear and obvious, in which case it's a nonsense because players are going off for HIAs all over the field all the time and nothing's ever looked at. And don't for a second, lastly on this, don't for a second tell me this is player led. It's absolutely not player led. I know that, you know that the players have just been, in my opinion, directed to toe the line because It's essentially just about avoiding or presenting a case for when this strikes court that this isn't going to be. We we have taken steps to mitigate it.
2: Just get them to sign a disclaimer and be done with it. uh,
0: Jack Noel tweeted, didn't he? Like, like a shocked eyes.
1: Yeah, (laughs) you know. So have you both seen? Have you both seen it?
2: The, yeah. the incident.
1: Yeah. 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 Yes, he goes in. He a, goes in A ludicrous upright. decision yeah. Yeah, on any sporting.
0: It just can't. You, you can't be red carding people for that.
2: You know, it reminded me of, the, there was one last, it might have been last season or earlier this season, with Elliot Stook, Bath, on the touchline. And it, it was very much a similar thing. It was an upright tackle, almost chest-on-chest contact. But during the chest-on-chest contact, there was a, a clash of heads, and it was a similar, similar situation. But
0: Doug, Doug used the right phrase, window dressing, because we've said it before, we'll say it again. You, you can get a head injury in rugby doing anything. You, you can get a head injury with your head eight inches above the floor because you've fallen over and you've hit someone's knee. Or if you make a, almost, you know, a low tackle, but you hit their hip with your head, you can get a concussion. So the actual best way to reduce concussions would be re- to reduce the number of games. But they're not going to do that because that would cost money. So how committed are they to reducing head injuries? Enough to get the referees to send players off, but not enough to actually cost themselves a little bit of money by playing less games. I mean, is anyone going to miss a team playing for third and fourth place in a European Cup group? They're just not.
1: I might, because I won't get paid. (laughs) They'd be better off taking the European
0: Cup. Put the two European Cups together and have them as a straight knockout.
2: Just make it one big competition. Just go, wow! You know, get drawn or you get drawn against. Yeah, exactly. Don't like the FA
0: Cup, enjoy it. Be brilliant. Exeter against Bucharest.
2: Yeah, just every oh, everybody's in is another catchphrase. But you're right. Like, if it was, if it was all to do with player welfare, if it was all to do with looking after the players, they would find a way to to make them not play as much. I heard somebody um, somebody go back to, to Saracen saying, oh, yeah, well, will the Saracens players, will the Saracens superstars be able to play um, for Saracens because um, of like return to play because of the number of games and internet?" I'm like, well, hold on a minute. They've not played for fucking six months. They have played like five times in six months. It's not like they've been all over Europe and, and week in, week out they they should be able to come back and play straight away in the championship shouldn't they like they haven't played any they haven't played any rugby and like they're looking forward to whatever they decide to do with the lions this year you know is it in in the realms of when people aren't travelling you know i i think it's a, a great idea to to travel around this country or to do you know to have some kind of tour or to to make it happen in some way shape or form. I would love it because I'm a rugby fan. But if they're that serious about the player welfare and stuff, I don't just you know save it like four years to you know you don't need an extra seven or eight games for the lions for 40 40 people or however many it is. Like let's just let's just knock it on the head. You know we'll get through this some um, we'll get through this season and then next season when everyone's had a nice little jabbing their arm we can come back and uh and start and start playing again well in in september really
0: last season did they need to finish it other than contracts you know they did need to finish it obviously i'd imagine bt wouldn't have been very happy if they didn't but if you know if they could have changed that season up somehow they could have reduced the number of games or uh, taking the semi-finals out of it, maybe or whatever, whatever they wanted to do. But th- there was no chance of that. But, you know, Thorley doesn't bend down quite enough. He
2: gets sent off. Yeah. And and not only that. So here's, here's the next thing that I find fucking mental about this whole red card situation <laughs> is so th- Thorley missed times a tackle, according to the, the laws of the game, gets sent off but now we'll we now have to serve a three-week ban. So his team were disadvantaged for that period of time, and he's now got to sit around for three weeks and think about his actions. Well oh, and also,
0: don't forget, the worst thing I've seen this season was um, one of the Sale brothers, uh, the, the South Africans, brothers, when he hit um, Harris. Um, but because... Because of like the framework, it was an obvious cheap shot. But the ref followed the framework, which meant it was a penalty only. Whereas, you get in pure accidents, they follow the framework and they have to send them off.
2: Yeah, and, and but, then they sit on the sidelines for three weeks. Yeah, that's the every, bit every, that's the bit I don't get. You know, well, yes, you, oh you, sorry, mate, you, you're entering a ruck. You've got it slightly wrong. You've caught him in the head. the, the sending off should be punishment enough. You know, you are in your team for however many things, and then you have to sit on the sidelines for another three weeks. It's well, all fucking mental. Have played yeah, enough there's rugby no, to There's no scope cheap shot. for
1: use of saying that, that is a rugby incident.
2: Yeah. There's
1: no. Well, no rugby scope incidents
2: for... have now fallen by the wayside, haven't they? It's just.
1: Yeah, I mean, and it was rightly pointed out on Twitter as well, like if he goes too low, he gets the, the chance for red card. Because to go low, you've got, you can't be aware of where the player is. So if you, you, t- you go low and you time it wrong, red card, go high, bang heads, red card. So you've got, a, you've now got players that are, you know, going to be chasing high balls up to a player and then aiming for a patch of their body about four inches big that's safe. I, I don't. I don't see what the answer is, you know. And it, and well done to all the concussion crusaders. You've you've done this to rugby. No one else is. But but,
2: but they won't they all have rest to at their that. door because they'll be saying, "Well, the players want it. They don't."
1: Well, they don't. But I'm telling you that's now. That's what they'll say. They do not want it. It is not player led.
2: That, ladies and gentlemen,
1: and is it, facts. And it's a shame because. Gloucester, we were all talking about that, but Gloucester actually played really well. They, they look decent. I like the look of their new 10 as well. He seems like a, a decent player, He's certainly rating more than I do Lloyd Evans.
2: Who was that? Just what the was academy his name? I
1: can't even remember his name. Barton. He was that good. Barton. George Barton. Not George Barton. Barton. George I Barton? Looked, uh, yeah, I thought he looked really good. I really did. Um, again it's a it's a, a parity thing how close you know in in the NFL every year there's a team that loses nine or 10 games by less than a field goal and they finish 4 and 11 or 4 and 12 or 5 and 5 and 11 that's Gloucester this year they've lost a lot of games very narrowly and they're bottom of the league or one one off the bottom i don't think they're as bad as their record
2: they've they've had that it's that, where Gloucester have struggled is is having that that consistent presence at ten. I think thirty six has, has stepped in and done it and done a job, but it, he's he'll put you in good positions kicking, but like a little bit of flair when it's needed is is where they may may have lacked a little bit. Um, and they've got a good, you know they've got good players, they've got a good pack, you yeah. know. Yeah. As I say, team, teams are capable of beating each other, and when you're on the wrong end of those small point score lines, it can it can dent your confidence a little bit. Um, talking of, of score lines, um, Doug Harlequins versus Northampton on uh, on Sunday.
1: Uh, do, do we have to?
2: Well, we can briefly because we're nearly at an hour, so we can make this brief if you want.
1: Okay. I don't know where to start. Really, we we've sorted out one area of our team, and then gone backwards in another. We can't defend now. We we can we can scrum, and we can fling the ball about. But I mean, it was a super rugby match, wasn't it? It was a it was, a, and I mean, let's be honest. If you want people to come and watch games of rugby, that's the kind of game they need to come and watch. Certainly, the first half, second half was second half was dire, but primarily, I think that was because everyone was goosed, absolutely goosed because so, they've been legging know, it about, yeah, Can't stop, yeah. I mean, poor Aaron Painter in the second half looked like he was going to, like his lungs were going to fall out of his ass. I've never seen anything like it. Um, that's what you want, but you. The the attack and the defence are uh, styled around offensive players, Nick Evans and Sam Vesti. And if you want to go that far up to Chris Boyd, so very southern hemisphere, fling it around, be creative, that's gonna to lead to holes. And to be honest, I'd much rather that than sail an exeter. If you give me eighty minutes of that, Quinn's Saints match, I think I'd be interested. Because there's still enough competition and a lot of the breaks and a lot of the running around was caused by good jackling and good turnovers, you know, pressure. Um, I don't know where Saints go, really. It would be good to get bigger back, for sure. I mean, Wait. we're playing with um, a bloke who's played five games at 10 in his life, you know.
2: Yeah, Furbank.
1: And, and all they because lost. all because Eddie Jones says that he should play there, oh, out of nowhere. Like, if you're George Furbank, why are you even entertaining that thought when you've got Elliot Daly at fullback for England? If you can't beat Elliot Daly out of fullback, you're certainly not going to beat out Owen Farrell or George Ford at at ten. Well, what's he thinking?
2: Is that what's happened? Is it? Eddie Jones uh, Eddie,
1: Eddie, Eddie Jones he... led said that he sees him as a ten.
2: He needs to fuck off, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, he's the weirdest it, cunt. It's it's not really affecting Saints too badly because we've found this other young lad that plays fullback who's brilliant, Freeman. Freeman, and it, he's very very good. And I could even i I could see um Slightholm playing fullback as well. I think he'd be an interesting proposition at fullback but we're shoehorning in this lad at 10 when i don't think he is a 10 and we could possibly be playing malinder there who i think a bit more stable influence at 10 than he is at wherever he comes on and Ut- plays
2: utility back yeah <clears throat> did it make a big difference losing Piers francis you think furbank with francis at 12 has a little bit of a security blanket
1: you you boys know what i feel about piers francis i think he's one of the best tens in the country uh, 12s in the country and he's criminally undervalued in english rugby i think he's a brilliant brilliant player and defensively i think a lot of our backs especially are marshalled by him when in in defence i think he does a lot of that communication and organisation because you ended up on on Sunday with a very in, kind of inexperienced
2: back line, didn't you?
1: Yeah. Like,
2: without yeah. without Francis in there
1: to marshal it, it then yeah. and all that late withdrawal kind of scuppered them.
2: A bit. So, and, uh,
1: Saints can be the, the most fr- frustrating thing about watching Saints is when they're chasing the game, it becomes very hard to watch because they force stuff and the offloads don't go hand and they knock on and, very frustrating to watch at times. Um, that,
0: that was the whole problem. I've, a, a lot of people have enjoy, did enjoy this game, but I, I can't say I did. It, it seemed from the start, both sides were trying to like, pull magic off loads from everywhere. The ball was on the floor so often, and, and it was easy to make ground. All you had to do was string three or four passes together, and then there was space out wide. And it's it, all about the skills, bruh. So there was no there was no pattern to the game at all. It was I, I I'd, I'd lost interest after about twenty minutes, I must admit. But um, all I'd say from the from the game is it's just um, S- Smith just just shines off the screen. Just everything he does. Oh, is Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, he's
1: he's absolute class. Unfortunately, he's going to get nowhere near the England side because he's not ready.
2: <laughs> it's so fucked. It was he's so much better than
1: Ford or Farrell at ten. It's not even a joke. If he was if he was playing in New Zealand, he'd be in their side. If he was the Irish, he'd be in their side. If he was French, he'd be in their side. Fuck Scotland and France, uh, Scotland and Wales. He would probably already have fifty caps. You know, he's going to be wasted. He's going to if he's not in that side soon, he'll lose interest and he will go the same way as Cipriani.
2: Yeah. Well he'll if that if that's the case, he'll end up in France sooner rather than later making some big bucks when he and
1: just Yeah, him, we'll we'll have lost it. forever.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's it's such a shame. Like Don Brandt is another one that obviously doesn't
1: fit doesn't fit the mould, but he I'm I'm still not convinced happen. On Don Brandt, I think I think Simmons is better. Perhaps I think
2: is. Simmons is a better rugby player than Alex Dombrant. But Alex Dombrant does make things happen. I think, I think if we're going to talk, obviously, size, Dombrant offers more of a physical presence. But Dombrant, Dombrant doesn't seem to win that many turnovers. You know, he carries hard. He finds gaps. He, d- he appears in random places, um, but he doesn't. He doesn't. <sighs> it's hard. It's hard to explain. He's, he's
0: got he's got a good rugby brain. He's got good hands. Um, yeah, but he's not. A, a, he's not like an all court player, like, say, Simmons or Curry would be. Um, I, I, was, I mean they were talking about Simmons again after the Bath game and the only issue I think with Simmons is if he plays at eight you've got to change the back row completely so I don't think you could go with Simmons, Underhill and Curry Yeah
2: the whole thing feels a bit lightweight in that You'd, need, you'd need, a it. Six, you need a bigger six then and I just don't agree,
0: I'm sorry I don't know where you would find that
2: well, you just, but you just adapt your game plan don't you? I mean, but you but if you then you can use different players to carry in different areas I think if you've got three dynamic back row
1: players you, the why amount of why are we, ball why are we saying that they're only dynamic
2: I'm not saying they're only dynamic I'm saying that their greatest attribute is the dynamism
1: yeah but we're saying that you, you need you can't have three dynamic Back row players because you need one unit i don't understand it you can be a unit and dynamic
0: as well but at, at the end of the day you do need someone to bulldoze the odd
1: yard when you when there's nothing else on i think tom curry gives you that i think sam underhill gives you that i i think sam uh, sam simmons gives you that I'm not It's sure. not always of
2: running straight, is it? If you can run at a soft shoulder or you know, have that last-minute step, you can, you can then give yourself that yard that somebody running straight into somebody else would do, wouldn't you? It's,
0: yeah, but at I the moment, we... England haven't got it in the centres either.
1: So one of the things I think is largely overlooked about carrying is that force is mass times acceleration, right? Something like that. Something like that. Billy Vinopola doesn't run as fast as Tom Curry. Tom Curry is 20 kilograms lighter, but I guarantee you Tom Curry running at full speed. The impact is as hard as Billy Vinopola because of the speed he's moving at.
2: Yeah, I suppose if if you're going to use, you
1: just, it's always just boiled down to, well, Billy's 20 kilograms heavier. So he's a better carrier, which I don't think is true. Especially now, I think Billy's nowhere near the carrier he was. So I'm I'm not sure it's a a valid argument. I think you could I'd love to see it back. The fact is we haven't seen it. We haven't seen a curry underhill Simmons back back row. No. That's that's true. And we're not likely to either. Because the rhetoric is they're not big enough as a three.
2: Yeah, maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's time to move on from, from size. Do you say, If Eddie's thing is, Eddie prides himself on being, you know, this Someone radical thinker.
1: That. Well, See, what, that's what, what I don't understand. Do, it? What I don't understand and probably don't appreciate is how much of an influence the extra weight of a back row helps in the scrum. I mean, how much are they actually helping with the pushing?
2: Yeah, we could. But is that, is that that weight? Is that weight? Is that weight, or is that strength? You know, they you can still be strong and pushing the scrum. How much of that is weight related?
0: Well, I don't know. I'm I'm reliably informed that's why England miss Launchbury so much is because in the scrum he's like an excellent pusher. So. Um, you know, that all makes a difference as well. It's, you know, not always the biggest second row that makes the most difference. So, yeah, we're probably out of our uh, expertise. Out of, our, out of Yeah. Our
2: yeah. There. yeah. Um, all right. Well, <clears throat> it is the return of the Six Nations this week. So who knows what fucking shithouser Eddie Jones has got up his sleeve this week. I'm going to suggest absolutely nothing. And it's probably the same team that played against Wales.
0: Skinner's got into the Scotland squad, has not
2: he? Sam Skinner's in the, squad, the Scotland squad yeah. yet. Um, he's an excellent player. I, you know, I, I like to watch him. Um, but yeah, who knows what what England are going to do? But if they, it it's just like Eddie Jones and England to pull out a performance this weekend, isn't it? You, you've it. lost to Wales. You've lost to Scotland. You played against France. Everyone's expecting you to get pumped against this. French team who's you know got all of the pieces and it's looking fantastic and it was just so incredibly Eddie Jones to to win this match on Saturday and turn around and go well yeah see I told you my plan is the right plan so we'll see we'll see what happens um any other business for you two Ben any anything you want to uh get off your chest uh no, not really. Oh no! Thanks
0: for local coming. local Facebook groups.
1: Yeah, they're classic, aren't they? Love them.
0: Oh man! Um, if anyone could post something in them that isn't
2: about dogs, that would be fantastic. <laughs> they are, they are comedy gold. You just got to find the odd post and then and then put in a partridge quote and uh, see what happens. I did one of those the other week, and there was somebody talking about a. Uh, I can't remember. Was it a fence they were talking about, Doug? I said, I think I mentioned it on the the long leg or on another podcast that we did. And I quoted the, uh, the Partridge Joni Mitchell line. Yeah. And it fit, it just fitted in perfectly. Just absolutely. It's lovely. Lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. Doug. Any other business?
3: Yeah.
1: Um, not really. I'd love, I'd love to be, uh, I'd love to be a divorce solicitor. Fuck like I make some money. Qualifications required. Sorry. Qualifications. Required? I mean, I imagine there's a few. It's just a guess, but sure.
2: Being Dick Turpin. One of them, <laughs> I should imagine. <laughs>
1: Uh, was it you that told me the old Gary Glitter joke about that?
2: No, the, the
1: stand not. deliver one.
2: No, definitely not. That's not my not my joke. I can't.
1: I can't. No, it definitely was. I can't remember the post. I'll
2: remember it. I'll remember it. I can't remember it. <laughs> Doug will tell that joke next week, um,
1: or maybe he won't. I I just wanted to say a quick one. Like while we're recording. Oh, I, no, it's Adamant, not Gary Glitter. The old standard, the liver one. He didn't know what was going on. He was adamant. He was. <laughs> that sounds. That sounds like one of my jokes. It definitely was. By, it. by
2: one of my jokes, I mean shit. <laughs> um, I, I, at the time of recording uh, on ITV tonight is the uh, Harry Whale. Is it Harry Wales? Harry Windsor? I'm Harry. What's it his as name? We speak, yeah. And and Meghan Markle uh, interview with Oprah who I did see somewhere, Uh, somebody compared her to Ian Wright dressed as Mrs. Doubtfire, which is incredible. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And and as I said that, Doug looked at the screen and he's just gone, yeah, I see it. Um, So, anyway, right? Uh, That's unbelievable. (laughs) Um, And earlier, like over the last week or so, um, that absolute humongous melt Piers Morgan on good morning Britain has been going after Meghan Markle and, and Harry and, and how they've disowned the, been disowned in the country. And then snippets of the interview that I've seen where, um, she's, uh, accused them of being, you know, the Royal family of being racist and, you know, basically what if the, what if the, the child was mixed race and, and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, I mean, we all know who that racist guy is going to be, right? <laughs> I'm pretty, 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 sure. I'm pretty sure he's in hospital right now. Um, but I find it, I find it incredible. I find it absolutely incredible that any any family, like I mean, the royal. I'm no royalist by any stretch of imagination. They're all fucking pointless amoebas, as far as I'm concerned. But I find it incredible that they would stick up, defend um, Prince Andrew for all of his alleged indiscretions and basically disown Harry and Meghan for, for wanting to just live a relatively normal life. And I, I, find it, I find it absolutely baffling how anyone can think that that's okay. And like, imagine you let your grandmother go in, you know, I know your uncle's a pedophile, but you know, he's my son and we'll, and we'll sort it out. But you, you know, you moved to America with your actress, actress wife, um, but but because she's not one of us, um, we're gonna, we're gonna cut you off basically. And I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of similarities to the whole princess Diana thing.
3: Oh. And, and,
2: you, know, you speak weirder. up against the establishment and you find yourself ostracised.
0: What's weirder is you can kind of understand it from the family themselves but the press seem to have made the same decision. They're yeah. like, we're not, we're not interested in paedophile island but this woman I mean, I'd imagine she probably is a bit of a knob. I mean yeah, she's yeah a, 100%. She, she's an she's a actress from Hollywood but not a particularly famous one so she's probably quite like needy and annoying but at the same time, she's not actually done a great deal wrong
2: compared to certain other yeah and i find it I find it madness that this alleged bullying claim by one of her aides from two years ago mysteriously just emerges a week mm. before that they they this interviews you to go live and it it all the whole situation just fucking stinks it the whole thing stinks i've you all right, Ben?
0: yeah i'm fine sorry i've just seen uh, i was just uh, i've just seen something online which i'll put in the chat but you can't I've just,
2: just, just seen something online i mean you're going to have to narrow that down ben oh amazing <laughs> very good picture of the queen and a and a couple of horses um yeah there you go. Right. Well, that that's the end anyway. That that's all I wanted to talk about. I just think the royal family could just they could all get in the sea, as far as I'm concerned. Agreed. There's no need for it anymore. They don't really offer anything. Oh yeah, but what about the tourism? What about the sovereignty? Fuck off, mate. Yeah. It's an no It's an institution. Yeah, So's Broadmoor. Fuck off. <laughs> no. No one's going to turn down a visit. I made up. Came up with that
3: on your own. I
0: did. <laughs> That's mine. You're not going to go out to an American and say, do you want to go and have a tour of Buckingham Palace? They're not going to turn around and say to you, ooh, is Prince Edward going to be there?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Or is Prince Andrew going to be there? Yeah. (laughs) You know. Oh, there you go. Right. Um, That's enough of that. Let's reconvene next week. Six Nations. So we'll all be in a great mood come Monday. Um, (laughs) Yeah. and we'll uh, and we'll see you all next week. Go well.
1: I'll feed.
3: Sports Social Podcast Network.